0: It is really good to be here. Uh, good morning, welcome, to welcome everybody. Um, it is good to be here to be able to study and uh, to preach with you. Uh, this passage we have in front of us this morning was it was a uh, a bit on the nose for me um, in in studying this week. Uh, it was a very rich week of study, and so it really is a delight to be able to be here um, and to share um, uh, what uh, the Lord is speaking to us here out of this passage. Um, Let me give us a little bit of a context of uh, what we're talking about. We're continuing in our series on the life of Peter. Uh, We've now gotten to the very end of the Gospel of John and the Gospels before we start to take up um, the stories in Acts and the development of the early church. Uh, But this is kind of the second of a two-part episode uh, that occurs after Jesus had risen from the dead. Uh, This is the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after um, uh, he had risen from the dead. Um, But this is a very, it's a very interesting and a very uh, special passage, I think, because the disciples find themselves on the shore of a lake uh, with a boat uh, in which they had been fishing. Um, And they caught fish. And Jesus calls them to follow him, uh, through Peter particularly, which is mirroring an episode that happened very early on. Uh, that where Peter and many of the disciples were called for the first time not knowing who Jesus was or really not knowing what they were getting into um, that they were on a lake and Jesus miraculously produced fish and he called them to follow them and they did Um, and now we get something, the same thing but a little bit new and that we get to take this very uh, human and relatable and affectionate and also broken man in many ways And we get to see Jesus uh, going back to the same place. But the fingerprints of his sovereignty over the whole story of Peter's life is just everywhere. And through this episode, I think Jesus is just opening up uh, the depth of his uh, guiding, his guiding care, his sovereign um, uh, planning and leading um, through all of Peter's life. Uh, As we see these uh, these things again. Um, So let me go to it and read it. Uh, Then we'll pray. Uh, We will jump in. This is from John 21 verses 15 through 22. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, You used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, would you have mercy on all of us and that would you reveal your sovereign and tender care um, through your word this morning? Uh, We put all this in your hands, and we all look to you that you would lead and teach us. And We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with a question, uh, which might be a heavy question, uh, but do you ever wish uh, that you could get a quit and start over in life? And uh, some of you didn't grow up in the video game um, generation. I'll get to you in a second, but uh, some of the—I have a theory— Um, that many of us who did um, that kind of uh, impacts the way that we view life and maybe there's a connection between the ability to quit and start over and being depressed later in life Uh, but one of the great things about video games is that you can get in there and you can take risks and you can do your thing and if it's not going well whoop start over again and there you go Uh, Even if you didn't grow up that way, I had a family member who was famous for having sneeze attacks uh, when Scrabble was not going her way, and that they would just (laughs) clear the board suddenly, and the game would have to be uh, started over. Um, And of course, you see how this relates to the uh, uh, disciple Peter, uh, the apostle Peter, as he is about to be here. Um, This is a guy who had been called to follow Jesus. Um, and he had just He had gone from the pinnacle of bravery uh, Where he said to Jesus I'm willing to lay down my life for you um, And he proved his, his bravery To such an extent that uh, Before Mike Tyson was here He cut a guy's ear off um, In front of all these soldiers Like a really dangerous thing And yet When the moment came he had one of the most publicly embarrassing moments um, of any of the disciples uh, that they had had. And that he, when the pressure had hit, he had denied Christ three times. And here we have have a man who is struggling with this issue that he only gets one life. That there's no quit and start over button. That what he had done was going to stick with him uh, for a long time. But in addition to that, I think we have in a very sweet way a Savior who is not just bringing him um, these general concepts, but he is attending to this man's heart in that very particular way um, to Peter and that even though he only gets one life, even though he can't undo uh, the thing that had been before, that there is another that is outside of him that has absolute sovereignty over his past and over his present and who is going to in the future. And I think with this testimony of what Jesus wants Peter to see and what he wants his people to see is that even though the one life that we have all been given and all the anxieties that we feel based on that finitude, that it is worth following Jesus even still even through this one path um, that we have been given. And so I want to look at this in these three ways. Uh, I think Peter, uh, Jesus very particularly looks at Peter's past, and he looks at his present, and he's going to look at his future. And so we're going to break it down um, in, those kind of, in, in that fashion. Um, in the first place, this is really a profound point that, P, that Jesus is exercising his sovereign Peter, his sovereign power, I have so many Ps to say today, sovereign power over Peter's past. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't intend to make that up, but uh, it, it happened. Um, and I want to start off by just giving an illustration. So I've gotten over the last few years uh, invitations to high school reunions and college reunions. Um, some of you may find these fun to go to and enjoyable. Um, that's just the worst thought that I could have. Um, just may, I mean, I wasn't all that cool, for one thing. Um, and my life has taken various forms, like that I'd you know, be happy to say, yeah, I've got a you know, wonderful family and kids and job and you know all these kind of things. And, but yet, there's always these thoughts that's like, they knew who I was. Like, they knew those things that we did. And they knew that last thing that I said, like, that really awkward interaction. And it was just so awkward. Like, and no matter what happens, like, there's something in my DNA that produced that at one point of time. And that's always going to be a part of me. And, like, that's the thought. Like, I don't want to go to these things because there is a certain joy in being able to divorce from your past or certain uh, groups of people and being able to reinvent yourself in the future um, and to leave it all behind. Uh, but we, here we have a guy that had a big issue again in his past. Um, and, and I think Jesus is putting his finger, rather than dismissing it, than he is actually going after that. And he is drawing attention to it very particularly so that Peter can't get away from it. And that is this, that just as Peter had denied Jesus three different times, then here's Jesus in a very clever way. He is asking Peter if he actually loves of Jesus three times in the exact same way. And Charles mentioned last last week that there are a lot of themes of even the disciples standing around this charcoal fire, which was the same place that Peter had denied Jesus before. That it is bringing us clues to what Peter has done. It wants us to remember that in the narrative. And you might have heard sermons. A lot has been made of why you know Jesus says these three different times. There's there are actually different Greek words that um, that are being used. Most commentators today say like want to say that there's really not a lot significant in the fact that um, they are they're using different words. They're all they overlap and they're meaning the same thing. And the more important thing is actually the effect of this threefold asking of Jesus to Peter if he loves him. Um, and you see, Jesus, like, Peter's really offended by this. And when you remember what, Jesus, what Peter had done, uh, we feel that. That's like, man, you are just going after, like, my main failure, the thing that I probably feel the most self-conscious about, um, and, and bringing it up. And we see Peter's emotional reaction um, to this, which feels like probably a vote of no confidence in him um, based on what has happened. But what is, what is Jesus doing? That he is replacing what Peter had done before with a very different kind of confession. Of he is reaffir- having, having Peter reaffirm who he is with Jesus. And through this, he is actually sending Peter um, out back into the same ministry that he had been called to. And we're going to talk about that movement in the ministry in the second point in the present. But I want us to stop and just think about this aspect of this. And that picture the disciples. They're around here. They're excited. Peter's excited to see Jesus. I mean, when he sees him on the shore, remember he even jumps out of the boat and swims to him. Um, It's really amazing that he had risen from the dead. Like that's a pretty mind-blowing kind of thing. And maybe those um, words that Jesus had spoken about him Um, coming to lay down his life for the world in this general sense uh, that those are crystallizing in their minds and they're starting to see who Jesus is generally. But Jesus is not stopping there in the general power and the general atonement of Jesus with Peter. He is taking that and he is pointing out very particularly that whereas there's this big concept out there, which is true, I want you to pay attention to this in particular. I want to deal in your mind and your heart with the thing that is, is bothering you even still. And I think this is something that is very, very relatable to us. Like, if, especially if you've been in the church for a while. Um, also, if you've not been in the church for a while, it can be easy to grasp the general concept of what Jesus has done for us. It can be wonderful. It can move us. It's a wonderful thought that Jesus came to take away um, all of our sin. Not just in part, but the whole, past, present, and future. And yet we still lie awake at night with certain thoughts that are running around our head. Uh, The way that we had treated our kids uh, that day. that like, I get this in concept, but I'm pretty sure that they're they're ruined based on this interaction. And that's got to be outside of the scope of what Jesus has done. Those last words that have been said. The embarrassing thing that we have done that just keep, keeps gnawing at our brain, uh, the habits that we keep going back to, that the repeated going back again and again and again, it starts to sink into our hearts that uh, I get this generally, but the particular is just gnawing at my insides. Now, I think what Jesus is showing us with Peter is that he is, he is powerful in a general sense, of course, but he is just as power for all of the particulars that end up pertaining to each one of our lives. And what I want to ask of us is just as as Jesus comes into Peter and he is is dealing with this element of Jesus' past, have you been able to hear um, the voice of Jesus speak into those things? Not just in a general sense, but in a particular sense. Where Jesus can say, I see that. I see that very particularly. I know that it's there and there is no hiding it. But with his power to replace that thing with the redemption that he has brought and continue to have us continue to follow him in faithfulness. Um, That's a really important thing that Jesus is doing. He is showing Peter that his past, not just a general sense, but in a very particular sense, is under, is within the sovereign hands of God and that he doesn't have to run away from these things. But Jesus is actually the power to continue to walk in the same story in which those things occurred, because his power is enough for his past. Uh, secondly, let's turn and look at uh, uh, what that means for the future. I'm, I mean, the present, because um, this is just as much of a um, a really important point, I think, that the, the gospel writer is drawing out. Um, and you see the connection here in that Jesus is very particularly dealing with Peter's past. Um, He's bringing it into the present. He's shining light on it. He's dealing with it. Um, But rather than actually dismiss it from Peter's story, Jesus is actually using it for how Peter is going to be called in the present. And I do think we all have a tendency to want to say... Like, Jesus is wonderful in that he, is, he can dismiss these things. Now let's put him out of sight, out of mind, and let's go do something else. But that's not what Jesus does. He has a much bigger scope of redemption in Peter's life than that. And that he actually is using his failures um, and calling him into the present. And what is he doing? He's saying every time, all three times that Jesus asked him, uh, do you love me? And Peter said, yes. Then Jesus gives him these commands. Feed my sheep. Tend to my sheep. That is, continue to walk in this same calling that he had given you before, that you had blown it and have a bad history with, that you are going to continue and that Jesus' redemption is actually going to be displayed in the walking and in the filling out of that calling. Um, let me, I'll give you another illustration. So it's commonly known that Albert Einstein failed math. Right? You heard that? Um, why that is noteworthy is because he ended up going on to be kind of a key figure in like mathy, sciencey kind of things, whatever, whatever it was. Although I do find it a little bit ironic that he came up with the theory of relativity because you can be like, Albert, that's the wrong answer. You're like, well, isn't math relative like at the end of the day, you know? Uh, I'll tell you what is not newsworthy at all the fact that I failed a geometry exam back in high school. Um, Albert Einstein was a redemption story because he continued in that path in which he had failed. I became a philosophy major. (laughs) No more math. And I think what Jesus is showing is that you don't have to become a philosophy major. That's not the only way that you have, the only option for you in life. But this is a full redemption story that Jesus is bringing the past into the present. And this is a a calling that Jesus has put on Peter's life, and that the full scope of redemption is seen in the present, in what Peter is doing and has been calling into that thing. And not only that, I think if we read further, um, especially if you read the letter of 1 Peter, then there are some really interesting things when you notice uh, the history that that Peter had and that he he is writing to people who are under either actual or the threat of persecution and he is reminding them that they have something that is far more valuable than anything that they could lose and he is asking them to not turn away. Continue with Jesus because he is enough. In other words, the failure that Peter had experienced actually becomes fuel and credibility in his gospel ministry. That Jesus is going to turn it upside down. And that even Peter's past becomes an essential aspect of who he is going to be as a shepherd into the present. The scope of Jesus' redemption, it is very, very big. And I want to... um, Let me put it in a present context like this. Um, There are lots of aspects in life that we would recognize that when we blow it, we can't get away from. Um, I mean, it's always possible, but when you just think about in parenting or marriage or something like that, when we blow it, we still have that calling right there. We still have to continue in that relationship and we have to deal with it. It can be very, very easy. There are other relationships that are much more easy to get out of. Uh, when we have a falling out with a friend or a coworker or a church member, or you know we lead a team badly in some way at work, um, and everybody knows that we didn't do a great job. Um, these other things. What is our impulse? If you're anything like me, our impulse is to turn and to run. And to do something else. To become a philosophy major. Like to to shun that part of my life. And to go somewhere else where we can reinvent ourselves. But think about all of those contexts. In, the, in this opposite way. In light of this calling that Jesus has given to Peter. And that the full scope of healing and redemption actually comes not from the running away. But in being called back into. In which there is Reconciliation. And there is healing. And there is a mutual understanding of what it is like to fail. Of what it is like to be weak. And of what it is like to need each other. I think what Jesus, and he is showing Peter that he, that Jesus has the power to do this. That his sovereign power is enough for the past, it is also enough for the present. And Jesus has a much bigger agenda for us um, than often that we have for ourselves. He is calling us out of his power um, to move um, with him into the present um, in reassurance that even these things that are beyond our ability, um, he is enough for. And through these things, there is actually hope of genuine community. Um, There is actually hope um, of of, uh, fellowship and reconciliation, um, those kinds of things. Um, Just other ways. Um, So this happens, um, we can have this example, this applies to us individually as we approach other people. We also have to look at it from the other angle as well. I think this has just as much application of other people, uh, of how um, we view other people in their failures at the same time. And that it is very easy to label people based on what they have done or because of their personality, or whatever, and say they will always be this way. There is something about them that will always be this way. And we have to be careful around them. And to hold, we hold them um, according to these um, kinds of types. Um, if you are married, you know this very deeply. Like, this is something that is so uh, common and easy to do of our others, of our other, especially when uh, our hearts have been hurt. Um, in some way. But just as much of a challenge as this calling to move in towards others, even when we have blown it, there is also the same thing of others uh, when other people have. And that the other disciples are also a character here. I think Jesus does this very intentionally, that he is reinstating Peter and giving him this calling in front of everybody else. That he is showing to the disciples that Jesus is saying, This guy, is going to continue to follow me as a disciple and is going to continue to feed my sheep. And so part of this calling is just as much as it is to move towards each other. It is to allow other people, um, despite what they have done, to set them free from those things. And I want to give lots of caveats to this. This is really hard because wisdom is a real thing, especially when there have been wounds. This is not to say that we have to; we can't be self-protective at all uh, towards some people. And I don't know exactly the answer of how that works out, um, but we have to hear this call in the present to move towards others and to allow others to move towards ourselves. And these are some of the ways that God is actually working within our midst. But that brings us to a very uh, difficult in a lot of ways and probably brings up a lot of questions I think we have to ask if this is the shape of the calling that Jesus has given we have to wrestle with these facts that do I actually have what it takes for this Peter had to have been wrestling with that question because he's being sent off into something that he had already failed pretty miserably before under much less stress than he is going to in the future and we also have this very clever element with, the other, with, the, with John, who's following him. And I love how he just calls him that man. It's almost like, I mean, he's been with this guy for, for a very long time. Like, it almost feels derogatory to me. Uh, but there's this question, like, but, but it's not the same. Like, how, why, why are things, don't they end up fairly? Uh, why don't I get that life um, instead of this life? All of these questions come into, the, into, the, into play very, very quickly, especially when we are human and we are weak, uh, we are people um, without a great track record of having done this the first time. And all I want to say to this is, is this, and it is no small thing, when Jesus predicts what Peter is going to do, he predicts. That Peter is going to end up laying down his life in a way that is actually going to bring glory to Jesus. And despite what anyone else's life looks like, that he's actually going to have the power to do this. You know what the only difference is between this time and the last time? It's Jesus, that he has the sovereignty over this situation. And it is not just a prediction. But what Peter is hearing from Jesus in a way is that his sovereign hands, in some way, the one who actually wrote this story, who was there in the past and who was there in the present, in some way is going to be enough for the future. And then in what can only be a miraculous way, that Jesus is reassuring Peter that in the very same place you've blown it before, you will face more and you are going to make it. That is all in the power of Jesus. Jesus. And we all ask those questions, both of those questions. We ask, like, do I have enough to do this thing that has just seemed so difficult and broken ahead of me? I don't know that it has what it takes. I have more of a track record of failing these things than I do succeeding. And what about other people? Like, why don't I have that life instead of this life? We ask all of these questions every single day. And what Jesus is wanting us to do again, even with respect to the future, is wanting us to turn our eyes away from the things that we are able to do and the things that only we can understand about how life goes and wants us to turn our eyes towards Jesus and ask a different question and that what is it about Jesus that is enough for me? When Peter comes and preaches at Pentecost, he's going to preach about the resurrection of the dead as the central aspect of this sermon. That there is something about what Jesus has done in dying at the hands of other people and then raising from the dead that has risen him up to a whole different level than he had been before. It is this God who is writing this story that death can't touch. This king who defeated sin, who rose to sit at the right hand of the Father, that is the sovereign power over all things, to finish this story. It is this God who is enough to carry you through whatever that you are going to face in the future. And I want to, I want to ask the musicians to go ahead and come back, come up and uh, get ready to play. Uh, we're going to end this, and not. I'm not going to pray specifically. We are going to pray as we sing, but we're going to turn our hearts to worship. Because what I want to do is I want to end with this phrase or these verses from Revelation chapter 5 which are talking about the Lamb of God and the scroll. The scroll that is the key to unlocking all of history. And it is going to ask this question that is He worthy? Is He enough for all of these things? And together with the saints past, present, in heaven and here I want us to hear these words about who Jesus is and what he is worthy to do. And then I want us to respond to that in worship to him. Uh, Listen to this. This is from Revelation chapter 5. Speaking of the Lamb, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship this lamb together.